0: Show me the road.
1: What a great song. And it's been a good couple of weeks. I've enjoyed the, the messages the last many weeks, and I can say that because I wasn't preaching. But I'm glad for good friends, good men who just have a heart for God, who over the years God's allowed me to be uh, to get to know, and just, just the joy that we can to, to invest in one another's works for the Lord. And uh, this morning, I want to I give you a th- just a, a couple of thoughts here from the life of John the Baptist. And I think one of the things that sets the Bible and, and really Christianity apart is that it really does capture the human condition. You think about the, 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 the varying stories that you read through the, the Bible, and one of the unique things I think about the Word of God is that it... Not only shows God's people at their best, it also shows God's people when sometimes they're even at their worst. And it just it just lays it out for us, and, and we, we learn there just the many the many different things that can happen in, in one's life. And we're gonna see in the life here of John the Baptist, who really when you think about from a from from a biblical point of view was one of the greatest prophets sent by God. Uh, the Bible teaches us that he had the highest privilege of Jesus, being Jesus' forerunner. We read that even in, the, in the, the text that we read this morning. And Jesus really affirms him throughout his ministry as, as one being uh, greatest born among women. And that's a, that's a high accolade from the, the very lips of your Savior. And we know that John was a mighty preacher. He was a rugged man, and we know that he was clothed with camel's hair, and he ate locusts with honey. and um, So he was, a, he was somewhat a man's man there, one who really had a great following on his own, and we see that he had disciples. But John, despite the fact that he was all of this, and it was, it was true of him, he couldn't escape the very human characteristic of doubt. Doubt. And we know what we know about doubt. Doubt can become debilitating. For John, it caused him to question something that he knew probably more than anyone. It caused him to question Jesus' identity. And if you think about it, in questioning Jesus' identity, he was actually questioning his own his identity it was directly linked to the authenticity of Jesus. And if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then John wasn't, said, wasn't who he says he was. And then John isn't the person that everyone thought he was because he was the forerunner of Christ. And that's what I'm saying. That's how debilitating doubt can get. It doesn't only sort of muddy the circumstances around us. It starts to erode really at the very core of who we are. And if we don't address doubt properly, and if we don't don't point doubt the right way, then it really can cause great damage in our own lives. And that's how debilitating it can get. It affects our perceptions of the things around us, or the perceptions of things of others. But really, as collateral damage, it affects our perception of who we truly are. In a little while, we'll see a little bit more of the situation that John found himself in. And, and all in, in that situation he was hearing about Jesus, it seemed to contrast his own situation. He, he You know, he, he, he was there, he was faithful and supposed to do. Sometimes when we're going about and even when we're trying to do good and do right and follow along with what we're supposed to do, you understand that sometimes life still doesn't work out. You know, it would be ideal, isn't it, that if we were just faithful to church and we were just uh, faithful to do that with with which we think is right, and if we were just to, to follow that, that we would just say that everything would work out. But you know, the reality is, and we all know this, things still don't work out. Sometimes things still don't make sense. Sometimes the, the results of that still puzzle us and we sort of start to question whether The thing that we've been doing has been right all along. And and before long, doubt can erode at at the very confidence that we used to have in the very stable things of Scripture. And and doubt can do that. Doubt can continue to to work away. And and that's what was happening really in the life of John the Baptist, this very mighty prophet, this one who had a very specific calling on his life. And doubt can come and can destabilize. And John really found himself in in this situation, in an unstable situation, and doubt started to creep into his thinking. And whilst his circumstance had changed and was difficult, what he found was Jesus was still doing what he was sent to do. And here we see how Jesus deals with someone who is mired in doubt. And I think this morning, I hope that this comforts us because we can often find ourselves in that situation. We can find ourselves in a place where perhaps we're going through some things that can cause us a bit of discomfort and maybe even disappointment, and we can find ourselves just starting to doubt the very things that we knew and were core to who we are. And we've got to see then how Jesus deals with that, and we've got to reframe it as well in our mind how we ought to deal with it. And what we find, in fact, is that Jesus deals really with John himself. And we're going to see that that really, when it comes to it, this doubting prophet, he, he at least did something right. He went to Jesus for his doubts. And so, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the message this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you once again, and we want to thank you, dear Lord, for, Lord, just the fact that you know us, and Lord, you know that we're but dust, and Lord, yet in your goodness and kindness and love to us, you reach down and you... You took, Lord, the, the, the very dust that we are and you breathed life and you created life and, and then you created purpose with that. And Father, we're not just floating around in, in space just without meaning. Lord, our lives are full of meaning. And yet, Lord, the, the way sometimes you do that is, is you allow us to go through some things that can sometimes even rock the very foundations of which we, we hold dear. And then, Lord, in order, Lord, to just reconfirm again that we're, we're who we are and you're who you are. And I pray that you'd help us this morning as, as we open your word and as we learn from the life of John the Baptist. I pray that you'd just help, Lord, just by your spirit, make application to our own hearts and our own lives. And we pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to have free course and would, we would allow your Holy Spirit to have free course in our midst. And we love you, Lord, we thank you, and we pray you these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. And I want you to note that, firstly, um, doubt comes even when the evidence is conclusive. And, you know, again, you, if you understand the life of John the Baptist, he was, he was born a couple of months before the Lord, and all his life was geared to this one thing, he was going to be the one that was a forerunner of Christ. He was the one that was going to proclaim and prepare the way for Christ. And so when Jesus came in his ministry outright, then those that had heard the ministry of John the Baptist can truly say, hey, that's the guy that John's been preaching about. That's the guy that, 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 that John has been saying is the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. And, and many times as, as you read through Scripture, you see that John comes and then Jesus comes. And yet, what we find here is John himself, this forerunner of Christ, whose really his identity is so so close to the reality of Jesus. He comes and he sends his own disciples, and he asks this question: "Art thou he that should come, or look we for another?" And then the two go and they actually ask Jesus the question: "Art thou he that should come, or look we for another?" And this question was, it was a question of doubt. It was a question of, are you you real? Are the things that you said, Jesus, are the things that you've proclaimed, are they true or do we look for another one? Have I gotten this all wrong? Have I gotten it wrong all of this time? I've tried to serve you and I've tried to do right by you. And here I am, I find myself in the situation I'm in. And have I been wrong or are you wrong? And that's really the essence of the question, is it you? What we find, though, is, is Jesus, the Bible says in verse 21, and in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues. You know, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't answer simply by speaking words. He answered by action. He wanted to evidence something to those who were doubting. And, and you understand Jesus' ministry load now was even greater after... All of the things that, that had come and some of the fame abroad that the Bible says that was spreading. And you can imagine where John was watching all of that. And you can imagine what was beginning to, to, to transpire in his heart. And, and why I say that is look at Matthew chapter 11. And it gives us, sheds a, a bit more light why John was doubting. Notice in Matthew 11... it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to, to preach in their cities. Verse 2. Now when John had heard, and notice this, in the prison, the works of Christ. The, the reason why John uh, himself had to send two of his disciples was because he couldn't do it himself. He was in prison. He, he was this faithful prophet who... Yes, he was different. Yes, he had a different message. And, and, and no doubt, it was in stark contrast to the religious leaders of the day. Here he was, doing what he was called to do, faithful to that. And he finds himself in a situation where he's watching it all happen behind the bars. He was in prison. And so he sends those two disciples, and we see that the, the story is parallel there. We see that he asked that question, and you know, really, when you think about it, it's almost incongruent that John should think this way. He was Jesus working all the matter. Actually, all the evidence was there. All the fruitfulness, all of the things that John thought about Jesus was actually happening. But what, what the only thing different was he was judging it from the lens of disappointment. He was judging it from this disappointment of being behind bars while Jesus was doing what he had always said he would do. And he found himself, and it's almost really incongruent that John should think this way, because actually he was seeing before his eyes the very thing that Jesus said he would do. And the evidence seemed to suggest that John actually was right about Jesus. It's interesting, though, that yet John still doubted. And what I'm saying is, is you consider who John is. regardless of of who we are, really, no one is immune from doubt. In the right condition, in in a condition that can sometimes cause disappointment, there's still room there for doubt to creep in. And, And I'm saying it's human to doubt and fear, despite what the evidence concludes. And we see that that he had a a skewed perspective of really the situation because of the situation he found himself in. And be careful when we go through times that uh, the result is a disappointment or, or there's some things there that have happened that can become disagreeable and we look at that and we start to then skew our vision instead of understanding that what God is doing is what God has always said. And I often wonder how many have fallen because of doubts that couldn't, perhaps in their own mind, compete with the actual evidence. Think about years ago in in youth ministry, having all those summer camps and, you know, we would often have Q&A sessions where young people can have a bit of a bit of freedom to ask any question and I always had a rule with our young people, you can ask any question, but if you ask a stupid question, you're going to get a stupid answer, all right? And so we would have a lot of fun with that. But, you know, once in a while, especially in the, in the boys' session, once in a while we would actually get a good question. And there was one particular young man who was really struggling. He had grown up in a Christian home, grown up in a good church. And, um, and, and he came to camp. He had come many times before and had made some great decisions. But what was happening was there was just something swelling in his heart. And one, one afternoon, I th- I actually, actually one evening, I noticed him sitting by himself and so I went to him and, and he had asked a specific question and so I wanted to dig in on, on what, why he would ask that and the, the question was um, what evidence is there that there's actually a God? And I began to to sit with him that, that evening and we began to, to talk a little bit and, and what was happening was his family was going through a real trial. His dad had lost his job and this was a faithful Faithful family. This was a family where, when we went to uh, went to their church and they had conferences, we stayed in their home. We saw the reality of their faith, and and what was happening was the the father had lost his job, who and it it took him away from the home. He had to work away from home a lot. Suddenly, their family, who was faithful, who were just such a core part of that church, suddenly were, were you know struggling to make ends meet. They were suddenly where the, the, the things that they really enjoyed being a family, they couldn't do anymore. And unfortunately for this young man, he had those around him who fed the doubt. Who fed those doubts because of the disappointment that had happened in his life. And suddenly they came from this place of security where they had made already some concrete conclusions about who God is to that foundation being eroded by a circumstance that was disappointing. And doubt can happen to anyone. And doubt in trouble and and doubt can become a very real result when we're not dealing with our own disappointments properly. And see, John saw the evidence from the lens of personal trouble. It's hard to see clearly when we're going through a hardship. and Isn't that really, when you consider life, isn't that really one of the main times you start to doubt God? Isn't it interesting that we don't doubt God when everything's going our way? Isn't it interesting that when things seem to be working out the way, it is that, that, that those doubts really are suppressed? But when troubles come and things don't make sense to us, that's when doubts start to take hold. That's when those things start to, to, start to, 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 to percolate in our own heart. And, and that's really when... We start to allow some doubts. It's when disappointments come and we wonder why things aren't doing well for us. Meanwhile, it seems others are receiving the miracles and God seems to have forgotten all about us. And when you think about it, that question that John asked wasn't really a question of Jesus. It was a question of himself. He was trying to figure out why it all had gone wrong. He was trying to figure out why the disappointments He was trying to figure out why. It just seemed to be that it wasn't working out. And doubt can often cause us to question what was previously concluded or was previously obvious to us. Because the thing is about John, the, the the very same lips that uttered these words were the very same lips that thundered, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And by the way, that is still true of Jesus today his life, who shed his blood, and you can still trust him today. So, so his message was right. He was right about Jesus, but that doubt that had crept in through disappointment, it was, it was starting to erode some of that, those foundational, obvious conclusions that he had made before. And this was the same John who, you think about, confronted the political and religious elitists of the day. This was the same John that dwelled in the wilderness and preached with conviction. And doubt can come and it can cause us to lack confidence and conviction. It can erode. And, and yet what I find about this story is the good news is that John sought answers from the right source. Because what happened was, I, I, if I can go back to that story about that young man, he, we were sitting in, on the steps a little bit like here. We were just outside a little bit and we were just chatting away. And he was telling me that he because his dad had to, this was another work and all of that, that actually he had to find a job himself. This was a 17, 16, 17. And so he's working a couple of hours at, at a uh, at fast food place. And he was just telling me, you know, oh, you know I've been telling my friends about this. And, and they tell me, see, look look what your faith has gotten you. And they, they gave him a book. By Hawkins. You know the one. And he began to read that book instead of reading the book. And he began to erode his faith and it began to erode and doubts crept in. And this young man who was struggling to make sense of life, you know, it was just the prime time to allow doubt to destroy. And I began to talk to him and and challenge him on that. You know, really when it comes down to it, what's your source? And, and he sought answers in the wrong place. And many times when doubt comes, the, the, the mistake we make is we start to find answers or try to find answers from the wrong place. And, and, and yet what we find is, really secondly this morning, is that doesn't compromise the sureness of Christ. You know, G- Jesus, he didn't answer straight away. He did the miracles. He, he he healed the infirmities, the plagues, and the evil spirits, and he gave sight to those who were blind. And then Jesus answered in verse twenty-three. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. Yeah, you know, he was referring to he was saying, Look, look at the fact that I'm evidencing those things that are true. And you know, sometimes if we can't see it in our own lives, God has to point it out in others' lives. You know, that's why we belong to a church. That's why we have a church family, because we're not meant to traverse this life on our own. We're not meant to just get all the evidence from our own lives. You know, God's bigger than one person, isn't he? You know, he can work in all of our lives, and yet sometimes when we go through seasons of doubt and seasons where we're having trouble, you know what God points out? He points out at others' lives. He starts to say, hey, look what I'm doing in that life. Look what I'm doing in this life. And look what I'm doing over there. And, 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 and thankfully for, for John, he did go to the right source. He went to the one who actually could answer the doubt. And, and how often do we, when we're going through doubt, when we're going through times when we're struggling through those disappointments and prime time for doubt to creep in and start to erode at that foundation, that's the time when we should actually go to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord. Help me to see. Lord, help me to hear. Lord, help me to understand what is happening here. And, and 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 doubt doesn't compromise the sureness of Christ. You see, what I'm saying is, doubt doesn't intimidate God. See, Jesus Himself, He He allowed that question to be to be asked. And Jesus didn't immediately answer. You know, He really He really wasn't intimidated by that question even coming from John himself. And I want to say to you that our questions, they don't confuse him. We can ask our questions to God. The Bible tells us that that, that we ought to come and reason with him. And God, the the very God of truth, the very God of, of peace, the very God of hope, he can answer all of our questions. But we've got to just understand that sometimes those questions aren't best asked in another way. They're best asked to the one who knows it all anyway. It's best asked to the Lord himself. And he's not intimidated by our questions. Our questions don't confuse him. And and Jesus here, matter of factly, told John's disciples to just go assure their their master that Jesus is who he believes he is. And sometimes actions speak louder than words. He said, he just went about and he did what he was doing. He didn't stop to immediately address it. He was saying, let, let me show you a little bit more. And sometimes when our doubts come, we just have to ask for a little bit more. Lord, show us. Show us the reality of doubt. And, and you know, doubt doesn't destabilize Christ. He, he gives his answer. He was on a mission. He was there and, and, and he was saying, John, uh, uh, tell John, don't, don't, to tell him to understand. Look, I am on my mission. I am who you said I am, and, and those things that are happening that you proclaimed about me, they're happening, and unlike mortal man, Jesus' mission doesn't change to the whims of opinion and doubtful perspectives that are cast. You know, sometimes we can, we can question a little bit of the, the specific circumstances that we find ourselves in, but God's overall picture and God's overall mission doesn't change. It doesn't. It's still about the gospel. It's still about helping those in need. And, and he's saying, no, 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 listen, uh, John, I understand that where you're coming from. I understand your disappointment. understand your doubt. But can I just evidence a little bit more? I'm not afraid of the doubts. But I've got a work to do. And Jesus was a man of conviction who acknowledged the doubt, but he didn't allow it to destabilize him. And yet what we find is that because Jesus wasn't destabilized by doubt, doubt... Then was answered by encouragement. Because there was no rebuke here to John. You notice what he said in verse 23, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. He's saying, you know, John, just be blessed. You know, I understand again that that I have a mission and I'm going through and I'm I'm seeing the you're seeing the things, and, and if you would look and see and hear the the very things that are happening in my life, look at it from the perspective of those that I'm helping. He says, just, just just, be still with your doubt. Doubt is answered by the encouragement. And he wanted John to know that it would be a good thing to believe. Th- this was an encouragement for John to persevere through his personal disappointment, for, through his trial, because indeed he was the Christ. And, and what Jesus was doing, he was actually answering this both factually and encouragingly. And saying, here's the facts. He, he was saying to John, take courage of what you see and know that I know. And Jesus wasn't destabilized. And, and I, I, can I tell you that, that if you come to, to God, who the right, he's the right source for your answers, it doesn't destabilize God. It doesn't shock God when we go through doubt. It doesn't shock God that we're not handling our disappointments as well as we should. In fact, we ought to give it to the Lord. You know, I just love the song that the girls sung there about just coming to him and, and knowing who he is. and And oftentimes, when we're doubting the the very circumstances and the very results of our lives, it's not really a matter of of answering from God who He is. It's really uh, answering what our view of God is. it's It's actually an, an internal question that we're we're pursuing and and what we find thirdly this morning is that doubt in you. Actually, it doesn't cause doubt of you by Christ. Because I find interestingly, again, that John was asking a question about Jesus. But then Jesus answers the question by, by describing John himself. You look with me here. Look at verses 24 to 28. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. You know, what we, we find here is that whilst John was a- asking the question, the doubt spread a little bit. You know, that's what doubt does. Doubt spreads. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Remember, there was a, a whole audience around Jesus at the time. There were those that he was healing. There were those that were around. And, uh, again, you could, you could appreciate there was a lot, probably a large crowd around gathered around Jesus and so he, he answers the question, and it was concerning John. He wasn't, he wasn't actually going to answer the question and, and try to you know, justify himself. He understood that the doubt spread, and the doubt wasn't spread about him. The doubt was spreading about the one who asked the question. And so they were asking, he asked that question, but the, the doubt was now on John. And notice what he does, he, he really he affirms who John is. Concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness for to see? I read, shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, much more, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I sent my messenger before before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there isn't a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And and he he begins to answer the question, actually, by reinforcing who John is. And so Jesus, again, upon seeing John's messengers uh, head back with the response of the things that they saw, now he addresses the crowd gathered around him. And John's question is, Perhaps may have aroused doubt about John himself amongst those that were listening. And what Jesus did was he def- he, what Jesus did is he defended and even complimented John the Baptist. You see, Jesus knew who John was. And this time of doubting, it didn't change Jesus' opinion of John. And, and Jesus, he, he does it, He, he doesn't defend himself. He actually goes and he starts to defend John. And sometimes I think we can be less gracious to, to those who show doubt. You know, sometimes when, when someone begins that erosion, sometimes we can sort of sort of count them out, like there goes another one. But what we find is, is, the, is Jesus looks at those who have questions or a questioning from, of God from within the fold, and he's not surprised. And he actually, he's trying to reinforce to those around him who John is. And sometimes what Jesus does with us is, is really, in our questions, is he's trying to reaffirm who we are. You know, he did that even with Peter at Galilee, uh, in the Sea of Galilee right there, where, when Jesus uh, had died and he was risen from the dead. And, and Peter was still going through a bit of a transition in his own heart about what he's meant to do. And there at the shores of Galilee, he appears to... to to Peter and and he asked those questions, that question three times, lovest thou me more than these? And it's not that Jesus needed an answer. It's that, that Peter needed some reinforcement. That Peter needed to remember who he was. And, and this was the same situation, I believe, that John just needed some reinforcing in who he was and what his purpose was. And Jesus never speaks without purpose. He was answering what people were afraid to ask. And he we see Jesus answering with facts and encouragement to the doubters uh, in uh, in the crowd. And what I'm saying is, is Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. He he knows where you're at. And you know the doubt. It wasn't a the doubt that 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 John asked. It wasn't a commentary on the circumstance that he was facing. What it really was, it was an outcry of help. It was an outcry of help from the one who knew his heart the most. And so that's why when you come through times when you're going through doubt, the person that you need to ask is the one who knows you best. And you know, the one who knows you best is the God who created you to begin with. You know, we can, we can sometimes, we, we want to try to glean encouragement from others. And sometimes, though, in that really, the deepest seats of our heart, we're actually trying to look for affirmation of our doubt. But well, what Jesus does is he, he actually affirms what's true of you. And, and Jesus knows you. And, and I think we can take that in a positive way. Jesus knows your integrity. Jesus knows your authenticity. But we can also see that in a negative way. Jesus knows if we're real or not. And sometimes maybe we don't want to ask the questions of God and we want to hear other voices is, because we're afraid of the answer he's going to give us. That maybe those doubts really are a trigger to a deeper issue and it could be a deeper question that needs a deeper answer. And it needs to be that we just need to listen and Jesus knows you. Jesus describes the qualities of John. He was one who was determined. He was the the reed that's shaken in the wind and and not not brought down. He, He answers about his disposition. He wasn't one who had soft raiment, who was just living comfortably. He was speaking about his designation. He was more than a prophet. And he was reinforcing all of those things about, about John And because Jesus knows you. And he knew John and Jesus values you. You know, he says, this is he. He, he was helping him understand, no, I value you, John. And, and to those around whose who's, who's own maybe thoughts of John were starting to erode, he was saying, no, no, I understand him and I value him. And Jesus knew what John brought to the table. And, you know, doubt doesn't dispel what God, uh, that, that, uh, what God knows about you in his mind. And the addendum, though, is that you are authentically his. And I hope that you are this morning. And he understood John's vocation. He was his forerunner. He understood John's veracity. He was the greatest born and greatest prophet. And then he knew John's verification. He was going to be in the kingdom of God. He knew all of that about John. And the reality was John still had a work to do. And that's what he was trying to remind those around that, that were listening in all of this and you know, doubt has a way to just erode not only our own, but the, the confidence of those around us. And he wanted to address the, the realities of John, not the doubts of John. He wanted those to understand, uh, those around to understand that this was a, indeed a, a special person, someone that he had called to a special work. And so often, how, how God uh, answers our doubt is actually to verify the true things about us. The real things about us. And the only question in that is, are you willing to listen? You know, it, often that's a trigger to just really ask God the, right, the real questions, the deep questions. And, and we need to understand there that God has an answer for that and He knows you. But then what we find, to, to end the story off, is an address to the people. He addresses who John is, but then notice the, the Bible picks up here in verses 29 and 30. It says, And all the people that heard him, and the publicans justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. Remember this this time in, in God's dealing, it was the baptism of John that was the act of faith, right? It was the believing of his, his message. Then in verse 30, But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of Him. You know, there were those in the crowd who were just looking and willing and looking for an excuse to to actually verify their unbelief. And what happened was, lastly, as we think about this story, you know, doubt in you doesn't excuse the rejection of truth by others. Because everyone's personally responsible. You know, sometimes... We look at that and, and you know, there were those in the crowd who used this as an excuse to really not believe in God. They're saying, Oh, well John doubted. I have I have justification to doubt. And you be careful, you know, um, we as people we're not we're not islands. There's those that we affect. You know, I remember years ago we were going through a bit of a, a trial at, at at our church there in Sydney and you know, I was uh, I was Going home, and it was just a horrible. We had a, we had a. I, I, found, I heard some terrible news, and I just was driving home, and I, it was one of those that I was really hurt. You know, the, no one can hurt you like your own people can hurt you. I was really hurt. People had said things about me that were completely untrue, and they 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 went at me. It was a three hour, it was meant to be a, you know, a, like a social call. It ended up being a group of men who just hammered me. So I was sitting there in the car and I, I was alone. We had some other things that were going on, that just family wise, that we were struggling with, with our kids, just health wise. And I'm there, it was, I don't know how many years into the pastorate, and I was just like, Is this what you want, God? And I was mad. I was mad that here I was and, and I had I had served God for several years at that point and had faithfully served under a, a pastor who, you know, who, who handed on the work to me. And here I was, I had given up my life for Jesus. And here I was being attacked by my own people. And I was sitting there and, and they just, they, and I was sitting in the car and I was mad at God. <laughs> like, how can you let this happen? How can they do that to me? And and honestly, I was mad, I was mad, I was mad. And I started to think, well, why, why, would, I, why would I serve God? And why would, why would God allow that? And why would, why would I even allow myself to go through this? And I began to, you know what I was doing? I was questioning my calling. Am I, am I even meant to do this? Why would I suffer through this? And I was mad at God in the car. And it, it was one of those where if, if you were driving next to me, you would have thought I was insane. <laughs> And I was just, you know how you talk to yourself and you're really talking to God? And it was a real just, oh, I was mad. And I wasn't, I wasn't so mad about, about the, the fact that those men would do that. I was just mad that God would allow it. And just being honest. But I remember getting, getting close to home and, you know, I realized that, that I actually had a greater responsibility. That I couldn't bring this doubt home. Because I was mad, and in my mind, I was justified in being mad. And so, you know what, I, I got home, and I remember just thinking, you know, what will this cause in my family? Because you know who else was in the church? My wife and my kids. And so there they were, and, and I'm about to get home, and, 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 you know, my wife can read me like a book. Anyone else? Your wife can read you like a book? And so she knew. But, you know, the thing that, that, that reminded me was the, this account, actually. Because, because my doubting can cause others to justify their rejection. And I didn't want my wife and I didn't want my kids to see me in that state because I didn't want that to be a reflection of who God truly is. And I'm not special. I just, I just knew that there was just a greater cost because I've seen it over and over again. I've seen it when, when, when bitterness and doubt and all of those have, have really eroded. And I, I've seen the effect. There's a destruction of the foundations. But you know who it costs? It often costs the kids. And what happened was I just sat there and I remember I, you know, I, I was broken. My wife knew it because here's what I wanted to do. Here's, a, how, here's how you know I'm really not in a good way. I will shave my head. All right. So if I walk into the church and I've shaved my head... Please put your arm around me and say it'll be okay. All right? Better yet, if I message you and I'm going to tell you that, convince me not to do it. All right? My friend John there, he, he, I texted him. I said, mate, I'm, I'm mad. And, he, and I showed him a picture. And he's like, don't do it. Don't shave your head. And I still did it. All right? That was how mad I was. But, um, but you know, I wanted to preserve a little bit that night with my kids. And you know what? To this day, we still love Southland Baptist Church. And my, 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 uh, my, my family have, have no idea. And they'll still come. And, and you know what? Those relationships over the years has been restored. And all those relationships that, that you know, the, those ones that hurt me really just... But you know what? That, that erosion didn't happen in the home and in the church. Because the doubt was suppressed by the one who knew. And, you know, there were many hours, many mornings, many late nights just pouring my heart out to God. And you asked my wife how much that hurt. But you know what? Over the years, we forgave. Over the years, and, and you'll still see, and I'll never point them out to you, but some will come through even now, and there'll still be a warm embrace there. And I'm not special. It's just God doing that in my life. Because if it was up to me, man, it would have been World War III. But you know what? There was a church and there was a work. And I'm saying doubt can cause you to think that way and can skew you, but you you better be careful. Because here Jesus understands uh, us. He, he, we use the faults sometimes of others and particularly those that we we think better of to excuse our own inactions and, and, and our misbehaviors and our own sometimes even unbelief. And perhaps all that Jesus said wasn't merely to present to John a case for his doubting to be dissolved, but perhaps for the doubters in the crowd to be held to account. And I want to tell you that sometimes the, the, very, the very best thing that you can do is even in your doubt and even in your troubles, continue to trust God because you never know those that will use you an excuse to do the, the, the very same thing. I think about there's this whole movement now in in our in Christendom called Deconstructing Faith. And, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of leaders who in yesteryear wrote books and, and had great followings who now are saying they don't even believe anymore. And we can make a case, you know, all of that, and, and we can go down a theological path that way. But I'm just saying practically... I know of those who suddenly, because of someone else's doubt, have brought into that and and many don't believe anymore. And it's sad. It's sad those that maybe even were so close, suddenly because of others' failure, begin to not believe. And thankfully, Jesus, he answers that way and some did believe. In verse 29, people that heard him, that those publicans, those that were around, uh, justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. They, they affirmed, again, who John really was. They could relate to John. And yet there were some who rejected, but some, those who rejected already ha- were looking for an excuse anyway. Because in verse 30, the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. You know, these Pharisees and all of these, they already, they already didn't believe by faith anyway. They already under they, they already made their decision and they were just looking for an excuse to slight the 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 faith, to slight the thing. And what it was, what Jesus was trying to teach us here, for those who were just around that, that really there's a personal responsibility. Okay, there were no excuses for them, the truth was truth. It it didn't matter that John was different and now he was doubting. Those who were seeking to justify their own rejection of the truth of John's message were still liable and those who chose to believe were still blessed. And our faith shouldn't be swayed by the humanity of others, but it's got to be grounded on the deity of Jesus Christ. Make your foundation sure. Many times, people will let us down. Many times others will allow doubt to permeate the very condition. But we've got a choice to make. And when those doubts come, we've got a God who's still there. Who can answer our doubts. Who can come to us in our very desperate need to have an answer and and evidence again that he's working. And maybe not quite working in your life right now, but he's still working. And he's, he might be that he's just trying to help you conclude that actually he was right and he was him and he was who he was like he, you thought he was. See, doubt is a human condition, but it needs to be submitted to an unchanging savior. It needs to be grounded in the more sure words of the scriptures and helped by the comforter. And John's doubting was no match for Jesus' comforting. See, when others doubt, it can be used as an excuse at times. I want to tell you, truth is truth, even when doubts arise. Doubt is a human condition due to our own limitations, and we must come to the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to look to him when we have doubts and rest in the sure foundation of his word and his nature. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I don't know the, the, the very hearts of each one here, Lord, I don't know the the kind of questioning that can arise at times in our own hearts. But I do know this, Lord, you hear it all. And Lord, in you, there's no destabilizing. In you, there's no discouragement. In you, there's just a a heart to want to affirm and want to answer and want to evidence and want to bring back to a place of confidence in you. And Lord, we don't know the process of that. Lord, we don't know what it will take But what we do know is that, Lord, you're willing to abide if we're willing to at least ask the question to you. You're willing to comfort, Lord, if we would at least be willing to just surrender those things to you and ask you the questions rather than seeking it from any other source. I pray that you'd help us this morning. Perhaps as we have this time of invitation, Lord, would you just just help each and every one of us, Lord, and, and lay our questions out to you, we pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. The piano's going to begin to play. We're going to have our time of invitation. And I wonder, firstly, if I can ask you this question.